We love to have a time of questions each week, and I have four questions tonight. They've been asked by people who have either scanned in the QR code on the, the front of our news sheet, or maybe they've filled in a Connect card or scanned the Connect card. Some people have sent me text messages, and others have just sort of seen me at the door and said, could you ask this, answer this question? There are four, and they are on, um, well, four different things. Here's the first one. Did God create demons? Now, this is a follow-up to the question from last week uh, where I stated that angels and demons are not eternal and that's because they've been created by God. And I'm pretty sure the person who's asking this question is saying, whoa, 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 hang on a second. You are saying that God would create demons? Aren't demons bad? Aren't demons against God? Why would he do just that? Well, related to this is the whole question of where Satan came from in the first place. The answer to this is that God created everything, including the angels, and some of the angels rejected God. They turned their back on God and they went from being angels to being demons. And the chief of them all is Satan. We see reference to this in two verses within the New Testament. In 2 Peter chapter 2, it says to us, For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they're being held until the day of judgment. And so basically angels sinned and then God rejected them, throwing them into hell. And Jude verse 6 says a similar thing. Question two. Did God the Father suffer on the cross? Well, in a simple way, this can be answered by saying, no, it's not God the Father, it was God the Son. And that's because God the Father poured out his anger upon his son Jesus. So it's clearly not the Father who's suffering, it's the Son, right? But this question is a little bit more complicated than that. Let me see if I can help you with that. The first thing is that if, my, if one of my sons was suffering, then I would suffer too, out of compassion. And I think we need to see this, that at the moment of the cross, when it was Good Friday, the Father who was pouring out his anger upon his son, he himself was suffering as he recognised and experienced and felt the very thing that his son was feeling as well. So in that sense, yes, God the Father did suffer at the cross because of seeing his son suffer. But there's another reason why this question is a little bit more complex and interesting. And that is, we've tried long and hard to work out what does it mean for Jesus to be fully God and fully man. And now some people have said, well, it's kind of more of like a 50-50 a thing. Or, you know, it's 20-80 or, or something like that. He's mainly God, but he appears like man. Or he's, he's mainly man, but he's got a bit of God to him or something like that. And so people for thousands of years have tried to get their heads around that. But those who've said, no, he's fully God and fully man, they say, well, what is it? How do the kind of those two natures connect with each other? How do they talk with each other? And, and, and what's the relationship if one suffers, then does the other suffer and all that stuff? That's a really good question. At the end of the day, it, it, we don't need to overcomplicate it. But we do know that God himself came and lived amongst us, and that God is Jesus. And Jesus lived and died, and God... Jesus the Son, suffered on the cross. And that was a Trinitarian event. 
And because we've got Father, Son and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, we know that when one part suffers, the whole will suffer and the whole will be involved in that. So it is a Trinitarian thing to go extra nerdy in all of that. Uh, this question has uh, made people try and come to answers for many, many years over what it means. But quite simply, we see that there was suffering on that day and that is suffering that was for us and praise God for that. Two to come. Question three. How and what did Jesus preach to the spirits in prison? Well, this is one of those questions that's been asked, uh, just sent in by text message. Someone's reading the Bible and says, oh, that's a bit hard. I'll ask Jody." So thanks for that. Um, um, the, the, it, it is actually quite a difficult verse. Some commentators have said this is maybe the most difficult verse in, to understand in the whole of the New Testament. So you know, give me a minute and I'll sort it out. Um, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, it starts with verse 18 and it says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but was raised to life in the spirit. This is the verse. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Can you, I can see why someone sent me a text message saying, what does this mean? I'm like, well, yeah, well, that's a good question. And as I've looked into it, there are at least five or six different solutions. Uh, I think probably the most satisfying solution is this, right? For thousands of years, God's people before Jesus lived, they followed God, but they died. And even though they were following faithfully God, they, they failed and they sinned. And they then went, when they died, to the place of the dead. And they waited for the time that God would bring a final solution. So what happens is Jesus dies and he defeats death. And then as he has defeated death, what this verse tells us is it's kind of as though Jesus went to the place of the dead, where it was the place of where all these people, Sheol, where they, all these people were waiting for the time when God would finally solve the ultimate problem of humanity. And he said, guess what, guys? It is finished. And that's his preaching to the spirits in prison. And I, I think that's probably the most satisfying uh, solution to this verse, that it says... Because of the faith of the greats who lived thousands, hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus, they actually were saved because of Jesus' death. And it was such good news, he went back and told them. Question four. What does Peter mean by a clean conscience? Well, if I was asked to ask you what is a conscience, you'd probably say, well, it's kind of like when you do something and you feel bad. And I think that's pretty much right, isn't it? In fact, it's, it's sort of the case that you do something and you feel really bad the first time and you do it again, you feel a little bit, little bit less bad and then over time you feel even less bad and eventually you don't even feel bad about it at all. That, that's the conscience in us. But when the Bible talks about the conscience, uh, it, it, it actually says in this verse that's been asked that, that we can have a clean conscience by Jesus. Have a look at verse 21. This is what's been asked. What does Peter mean by a clean conscience? Well, it says, And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the conscience can be cleansed or, or cleaned by trusting in Jesus and his death. And that is a great thing to know. 
You see, we, we all by nature have done things that make God angry with us. And if you've got a heart, you'll feel that and you'll, you'll feel bad about that. And you say to God, I'm really sorry. And you think, oh, I still feel bad. But what in fact happens is when you say sorry, God says, because of Jesus, I forgive you and you're forgiven in my sight. And then what we've got to do is say, well, God doesn't look at me as being, being guilty anymore. And so I've actually got to see myself as I really am. And that is no longer guilty in his sight. We continued to come to him and say, we're sorry. Would you forgive us? And he says, I forgive you, which is wonderful. And this process we see here, this is what it talks about as a clean conscience. As we have this clean conscience from him, uh, we're able to then have this great relief. So thank you for your questions. You can ask a few more next week. And I already am aware that some have come in. But now we're going to have a time of prayer.